Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. Usually I save this really marvelous quote of Ernest Holmes for the end of the talk. And today I'm going to do it a little differently because I was kind of afraid you'd just laugh at it. So I'm thinking we'll, we'll get the, maybe the laughter over first, and who knows, maybe I'll read it again at the end and it'll have a slightly different meaning. So today we're talking about the idea of spiritual evolution, and if you will, uh, in a way, this is his promise. Uh, this is idea of where our spiritual evolution might take us. And so this is how he ends the chapter on spiritual evolution. Ernest Holmes says, when you and I know enough and we're in Los Angeles, and we wish to be in San Francisco, we will simply be there. When we know enough to want to pass on to another plane of existence and come back again, we shall be able to do so. When we know enough to multiply the loaves and the fishes, this too will be possible for us. When we know enough to walk on the water, we shall be able to do that and it will all be in accord with natural law in a spiritual world. So how's it going? How's your spiritual evolution? You can see why I hesitated a little just to, to finish that off and, and have it be okay with everyone. Because I don't know about you, I like to think I'm somewhat spiritually evolved, and I've been having trouble in particular with the loaves and fishes. So I want to talk today about this idea of what a spiritual evolution might mean to us ordinary people. Not to say, even as Jesus said, that these things too and more shall be possible for us, but my guess is we're not quite there yet, and hopefully we're taking steps in that direction. So I want to talk about the steps in that direction. First of all, I think it's important that we remember the fundamental principle of religious science, which is the unity principle, if you will, which says that if God is everything, that includes us. And so one of the things that's maybe a little different about science of mind from some of the other mainstream religions is we don't look outside of our own selves for that connection to God. And as you'll remember throughout this month, we've been talking about the idea of communication with our higher power, that idea of a, of a connection that can be felt and understood between us and our higher power. So to do that, we don't need to go somewhere. We don't need to do something in particular uh, special. Uh, I, I mean, you know, don't quote me, but you don't even need to come to church on Sunday. But... <laughs> Please don't quote me. <laughs> but the reality of it is God is, a, is an inside job, if you will. And so, so that perhaps is a, a little different than what other organized religions might bring to the table. And so when we talk about a spiritual evolution, of course, it's an evolution of our spirit. It is, in a way, us becoming more of uniquely who we are. And sometimes it does involve us putting aside some of the issues and some of the things going out on our worldly existence, right? To make time for more of that inward journey. But nonetheless, that journey, that evolution of the spirit 
is ours to take. And in some ways, some people would argue, whether we know it or not, we're already on the journey. The question is more just about how long the journey is, you know, maybe how many lifetimes or, or, or how many, uh, 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 I don't know, how, how many events and happenings would have to take place before we really made progress on there. But some people would argue, and I think it's a good argument, that we're always on that journey. It's just whether we're intentionally doing it or whether we're letting kind of a spiritual gravity take effect. So what is this idea of a spiritual gravity? What is this idea of spiritual evolution? Well, let's look at evolution in a scientific way for a moment, because I think it can give us some clues. So first of all, evolution, according to science, happens in a couple different ways. First of all, it's the gradual natural selections of adaptive qualities, and by that they mean like an evolution of a species. Well, if one particular species shows greater strength or a greater ability to catch fish or a greater uh, acuity of eyesight in order to, to catch prey or in the, the, the human realm, maybe a, a greater capacity towards love or a greater intelligence, you know, whatever it is in the, in the world that creates an adaptation that is beneficial, that will grow and tend to be passed on to their offspring, and so the species evolves. But scientists also have discovered, well, and I say discovered, it's more like they dug up the evidence that proves that sometimes our evolution isn't that gradual of a thing, that in the uh, organization of the universe, sometimes things happen overnight. And in fact, one of the examples um, that scientists will use is the idea of having eyes. I mean, there was a time when life on the planet had not developed photoreceptors, right? And so, and if you think about it, that's kind of an all or nothing thing. It isn't that, uh, I mean, you either can see in terms of light or dark or not. And so there wasn't a question of this being built up over millennia, right? At some point, some creature had the ability to distinguish between light and dark, the photoreceptivity, and that probably happened like that. And because that was such a powerful adaptation, right? Suddenly species all over the planet started having the ability to detect light and dark and then, and then true eyesight developed and so on. But the actual idea or the, that germ of the idea of photoreception like that, in an, in an instant in terms of evolutionary terms, it was there and being in mass use. And so our own spiritual evolution then, I would argue, can follow these two paths. First of all, there's the slow and steady path, and by that I mean that on a daily basis we can do meditation, on a, on a part of a regular spiritual practice we might do contemplation, prayer work, we might uh, study some of the scriptures of the world or books that are, are truly helping us to, to move through some of the issues on our planetary side so that we can begin evolving also on the spiritual side, right? Those are all ways that if you think about it, it's the, it's the one step and then the next step and the next step drawing us forward in our spiritual evolution and uh, and truly we'll get there faster if if you know what i mean i i, I mean if we put 
attention into something, of course, God responds and, and, and allows us to make progress quicker. So totally makes sense. But I would also argue that we can also set ourselves up not only for the evolution, but for those evolutionary jumps, right? Now, I'm not so sure we can intend it as clearly. Like, uh, it would be nice if I could say my intention is tomorrow morning I will be able to walk on water. Now, now that is my, and I'll, I'll say that. Well, in fact, let's test it out. Next Sunday, you can ask me how it went. <laughs> but I kind of have my doubts. I mean, even if I set that as my intention to have that level of belief in myself and in my connection to God, right? I mean, I can say it without hesitating, but is the true depth of my conviction and faith enough that that's likely to happen tomorrow. See, I'm not so sure we can plan those leaps of spiritual evolution, but I will tell you, we can point ourselves in the direction of them. Do you see the difference? I'm, I'm putting out there that that's a possibility for me. And as outlandish as some of you, I know I'm going to get some flack later here, and that's, it's a good thing, but, but even if I claim something that is a little outlandish sounding in terms of my spiritual evolution, what I'm doing is I'm setting up the path. I'm setting up the vision that, that idea and that desire for, for a true kind of oneness with spirit and that level of connection, that level of faith in myself and in my connection to God, having that as an intention, hugely powerful. Because what I know is such uh, intentions when they are passionately held are always fruitful. Now, does that mean literally that tomorrow or the next day, you know, I'll be doing the loaves and fishes? Probably not. But what I do know is I will be doing something just as impactful. I will create in myself that ability of a spiritual revolution that will set my life on fire. Now, now what that means or what that looks like, the how part of it, I'm going to leave up, the, up to the divine. But if I don't set the expectation, if I don't have the intention of a spiritual awakening, if, I, if I'm not kind of ready for it, anticipating it, kind of claiming it even ahead of time, what I know is that that slower step-by-step-by-step step step evolution might take a while. So I have a wonderful joke, I think, illustrating um, this particular idea. So a young man who wished to have a closer connection to God, heard about a monk living high in the mountains. And this monk was said to be in constant communication with God. So the man began a journey of many miles, many days, to reach a remote village, and then after more days yet, a hermitage where the monk lived. Now I've heard of your close connection to God, said the young man. I would like to be your disciple. I would like to live here with you and learn what you have learned. I would like to begin this closer relationship with God. How long should I plan on staying? I have commitments back in the world. How long should I plan on? Well, after some consideration, the monk said, well... It's hard to say exactly, but if you're prepared to meditate for two hours a day, study scripture for two hours a day, and walk in silent contemplation for two hours a day, and fill in the rest of the time with service, I think you could be here for about 10 years. 
Well, the young man said, oh, that will never do. Oh my gosh, I'm just on a sabbatical. Um, Well, what if I meditate for four hours a day? What if I study scripture for four hours a day? I walk in silent contemplation for all the other hours that I'm not in service. Then, Then how long must I remain here to reach my goal? With very little hesitation, the monk said, I guess you better extend that to 20 years. Do you see the trouble with this is it's not about efforting. Now we are a society of doers. Do you know what I mean by that? We are so wrapped up in what we can accomplish in the world. And I, and I don't want to portray that necessarily as a bad thing. Oh my gosh, the things that the human species has accomplished in terms of harnessing electricity. I mean, we've, we had someone on the moon, for gosh sakes, right? The accomplishments of, of humanity as a species is, is a tremendous thing, but I also think it has a little bit of a negative effect. Even when we approach young children, often we say, what do you want to do when you grow up? Right? The idea of we are defined a bit by our accomplishments and our doingness. And I, and I think there's a bit of a danger there. I think there, there is a, a, a danger that we will become over-identified with what we physically can pull off, whether that be a career or whether that be um, you know, physical strength or the beauty of our voices or any number of the things that are cool and important. And in fact, we may derive part of our living from them. But What happens when you're no longer that thing? What happens when you lose that job? Or what happens if a career path needs to change partway through? Do you see the the trouble with over-identification with what you accomplish? Because I'm here to tell you, you are more than what you can do. And the nature of the spiritual path, the nature of our spiritual evolution, actually has very little about doing in it. Now here's the thing that that uh, person who went into study with the, the wise master in the mountains thought that it was a matter of putting in the hours. If I put in the hours towards meditation, if I, if I read scripture backwards and forwards, that these are accomplishments that when I complete them, Right? That then I'll have the I'll have the revelation. I'll you know, I'll read the Bible twice and then I'll be able to multiply the loaves and fishes. And and I gotta tell you, that's kind of going about it backwards. It isn't that reading scripture isn't a lovely thing, right? I, I mean, I've been uh, turned on a little, bit, a little bit about Lao Tzu lately and have uh, been reading uh, like mad from that tradition. But, but I will tell you, it's more about creating an environment in myself where something can blossom and not about completing a task. So I want to go over three, uh, and, and I'll, I'll be brief about it, three ways that you can tackle, if you want to, uh, if you want to uh, increase your ability to have this spiritual awakening or this idea of a spiritual evolution, three ways that I think actually do kind of work in speeding the process up a little bit. Now, I'm not going to give you any guarantees as to the timeline, uh, but hear me out. I think you might find this interesting. First of all, 
there's the idea of the seeker, right? I know many of us have tried maybe different churches before we came here, different avenues of, uh, of reading, different uh, uh, maybe gurus. We've maybe tried uh, yoga. Many of us have even collected pieces of, uh, of different traditions that really serve us well uh, going through that process of seeking. I think that is actually a fairly legitimate way because when we find something that works for us, when we find a situation and an atmosphere and a way of being where we are actually called to do that level of self-examination, really useful, right? When you feel like you're in the right place at the right time to do a, a, a spiritual examination, to make that leap, this is, this is huge. And it's, a, it's a, hu- a great human awareness. And there's also the danger that if you're a seeker, all you ever do is seek. <laughs> so there's the danger. Uh, I think better yet would be to think of ourselves as a finder, right? We're, we are going to try out the smorgasbord, but, but the job is I'm going to pick out what I like best and go with it. <laughs> and so from that perspective, you know, when you have found a, an atmosphere where you're feeling welcomed and you're feeling set up to do the spiritual journey, I say stick it out. You know, people sometimes will come to me and say, you know, I'm really feeling, um, I'm really feeling that this is not quite right in my spiritual practice, or, uh, or I was attending this spiritual center, and, uh, and I liked this, but I didn't like that. And, you know, my question is, but did it allow you to really open your heart and your mind to the spiritual journey? And if the answer is yes, for gosh stakes, You've found it, move forward. There will always be things that we don't like. There will always be little things that we disagree with, personalities that rub us the wrong way. That cannot deter us from our spiritual awareness, from our spiritual path. So if you have found a a spiritual practice that works for you, if you have found a spiritual home, I'm hoping it's this one. But, But when you find a place that works for you, glom on to it and even when the ministers change even when the music changes even when you know who knows what happens life life changes right when you find a spot that fits you pretty well that is the place to really settle in and do your deep inner work so seeking is wonderful to find that place that's a good fit and then settle in now, the other thing you can do is kind of the idea of finding a greater connection to God through service. And this is another one that I really believe in. And uh, you might think of it as kind of like the Mother Teresa path, but, but I don't want you to get it uh, uh, caught on the idea you have to put that level of commitment into something. What I'm really talking about, though, is our own awareness of spirituality increases when we are in service to our fellow human beings. It simply, it simply allows us to be our best self and that increases our connection to God. And in fact, I, one of the things I love about the Jewish faith in the Kabbalah, they have the, the Jewish uh, story of creation. And so I, I want to uh, read this really briefly and you'll, you'll see why it fits in here, I think. 
So this was the, the idea according to uh, uh, Luriat, uh, who was one of the Kabbalists from the, the 1600s. He says, as God attempted to fill the vessel of creation itself, catastrophe struck and the vessel was shattered. The breaking of this vessel of all life, of all light, destroyed the ordered universe that God had begun to create. And so tiny pieces of this vessel, like shards of glass and light, scattered and brought chaos to the universe. Now when the shards of the vessel began to fall, they brought with them, though, of course, the sparks of God's life. And together the shards and the sparks fell into what would become our material reality or the human world. And in place of a harmonious world made in God-like order and beauty, well, we have this. <laughs> and he goes on to say, uh, our, our world is filled, however, with these scattered sparks of divine light. And in Lurianic Kabbalah, it requires, it teaches that we, it, a part of our job is to liberate those sparks of light through our good deeds and through our service. And so the whole idea of a mitzvah, those of you who, who've maybe uh, been born or familiar with the Jewish tradition, the idea of a mitzvah is a good deed, part of that gathering up of the divinity that's right here among us. And, uh, and he goes on to say, only when all of the sparks are gathered together does God become whole again. So it's that, that powerful idea of the, the, we're here to gather divinity itself through service to each other, through love to each other, through our ability to be uniquely us in some way that benefits the planet, that benefits each other. And that that, in fact, is how the divine works. And of course, doesn't that fit in beautifully with the science of mind idea that God is working through us, right? It is that sense of us as we do good deeds out in the world, as we uh, are in service to our, our fellow human beings, that the universe of divinity uh, is made whole again, it, it is made larger. So that's two of the ways that we can walk on this path of spiritual evolution in perhaps a, a quicker vein. Uh, I want to spend, though, another minute talking about the third way, which I think is the more traditional one that we teach here on Sunday more often, and that is uh, what we typically call the inward journey. So that would be the path of meditation, of contemplation, of visioning most of the tools that we teach in our classes are there to set the stage for us to make that inner examination and to allow our inner self really to blossom. And in fact, I'm going to spend next Sunday talking more specifically about the tools and practices that we might use. But I think that is the third very important uh, way that our, our spiritual evolution takes place, and that is simply by taking the time to go inward. All right, now we're ready for the challenging part of today's sermon. You know that I like to assign a bit of homework, and, uh, and today would be no different, but I think I need a little bit of explanation. So I know that we're all already on an evolution of our spiritual nature, right? Uh, that's just a given so my thought is that this week we might spend a few minutes to evaluate the progress that we have made 
and the progress we would like to make. Does that make sense? Now, uh, at the very beginning, I read that promise of Ernest Holmes that truly, uh, as, our, as our spirituality awakens, at some point we will, as, uh, as the master teacher Jesus says, be able to do things like walking on water, like multiplying the loaves of the f- and fishes. I'm not saying you have to set your goal there. You don't have to be a Mother Teresa. You don't have to be setting yourselves up for performing the miracles necessary to be sainted. In fact, I, I think in some ways that almost might be an obstacle. Do you know what I mean? If we set things maybe too far out of our immediate rate, reach, uh, it might make us balk a little bit. It might make us stall a little bit. But what I do know is simply the ability for each one of us to take another few steps along that evolutionary path is really all that's necessary. When we set our sights on wanting to do better by humanity in our service, when we set our sights on wanting to learn more about ourselves and our, our ability to uh, use the, the law of cause and effect to do good things in the world, when we set our sights on our ability to grow our heart to include more people in it, when we do any of those, what we might think of as small things, it's another step, and it's another step And surely as we keep orienting ourselves on that path of spiritual evolution, we not only evolve, but the world so powerfully benefits from us. We we become that light. We become one of those shards that the the Luranic teachers were talking about. We start becoming the light ourselves through our own spiritual evolution. So again, homework I I think is straightforward, but it will cause you maybe to do a bit of a journaling. It will cause you to do probably a little bit of contemplation. Where am I on my spiritual path now? And where would I like to go? How do I see myself becoming more spiritually aware, more in service to the universe? Um, What does my spiritual growth look like in the, just the next few steps out? What do you see changing about yourself to help with the idea of spiritual evolution? All right, so I'm going to read this outlandish quote one more time and uh, maybe close your eyes and see if you can picture yourself in this position of of being so powerful. Ernest Holmes says, when you and I know enough and we're in Los Angeles and wish to be in San Francisco, we will simply be there. When we know enough, when we believe enough to want to pass on to another plane of existence and come back again, we shall do so. When we know enough to multiply the loaves and the fishes, they shall be ours. When we know enough When we believe enough to walk on water, we shall be able to do that and it will all be in accord with the natural law in our spiritual world. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one God. And what I know about this this thing is that it is everything it encompasses the entire universe. It is that, uh, that unity that is all. And so, of course, that means me. Of course, it means the people in this room. And each one of us represents a 
decentralized idea of the one. Each one of our individual consciousnesses is part of that larger consciousness. And so, and so the seeking of God need go fur- no further than our own mind and our own heart. The, the sensing of God need go further, no further than our own intuition and uh, our ability to sit in the silence and listen to that heartfelt message of the divine. Each of us is that close. The unity principle is involved. Each of us on our spiritual path. And so for this day and this week and beyond, I claim perhaps a willingness to put some more intentionality around our evolution our ability to see ourselves uh, out uh, maybe a few years and what our spirit might bring to us, how that closer connection to God might feel and look, who we might be along that spiritual path in a few years. And so for this, this greater awareness, this, this knowledge of the unity of all things, I give great thanks. I'm grateful for God, of course, the creator of all, and grateful for my own place in the evolution of humanity. And so I give great thanks. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here. So glad you were here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.